and welcome to episode 60 of the BM Cast. Not a podcast that complains that anything that isn't strictly high fantasy ruins the immersion of the game, despite the fact that you can currently do things like have a dinosaur crew a boat while wielding four swords and a pair of really fast boots, but the show about playing Magic the Gathering on a budget. I'm Scott and I'm joined by the Thought Monitor herself, Emma. How are you doing today? Yeah, doing good. I'm a little tired because I went to a beer festival uh, last weekend, so I'm just mm. trying to catch up on some sleep. There was a lot of drinking, so we need to catch up on some sleep. Um, mm. In terms of magic, I haven't been playing a huge amount because I've been quite busy with work, but what mm. I have been doing is buying up cards for modern decks. So, nice. uh, Monogreen Tron's all done, so I picked up. I begrudgingly picked up the two Endurance and the Kozilek oh that I needed to finish the deck because they're not yeah. cheap at the moment. Um, but I am now buying into Affinity. It's really, really nice. cheap at the moment. It's a bunch of like commons and uncommons. Plus, I really want to do the really spicy thing of, you know, Neo forming into a crater hood behemoth. Because yes. that's like S-tier FNM nonsense, right? It's just the sort of thing 100%. you want to do. It's just so good. In terms of content, I mentioned a little while ago I was going to do some work for Wargamer. And there was hmm. some delays in getting that up because they were busy. So with that, I have written up a guide on the 5th edition Ranger for Dungeons cool. & Dragons. So it just goes into like subclasses, goes into race, like for builds, you know, how to get started as a ranger in mm. D&D. Also, this Monday coming, mm. there is a guide on the Stormcast Eternals, which is like an Age of Sigmar faction. So if you play Age of Sigmar, it might be worth checking it out because it gives you a good idea of how to play that in Age of Sigmar. Cool. That's pretty much it from me. How about you? What's new with you? Yeah, I'm doing all right. Just a couple of new things. Uh, I got to play Paper Modern this week. So, Ooh. yeah. That's exciting. Uh, th- there were no events on. There's no events on here yet at all. Um, but I got to go to my friend um, and friend of the cast in Holland's house and play some real life games. Now, what happened was I showed up with three decks and then we both just took out mono red and just basically had three hours worth of burn mirrors. But, you know, it was it was good. I'm, I'm, cl- I'm chalking that up as a good time. So nice. <laughs> and also, yes, I had another realization. So. <clears throat> I've had a few of these realizations, particularly over the COVID times, as to my identity as a magic player, right? So first, I'm sure you'll remember, I realized that I'm more of a Prismari alumni than an Izzet guild mage. And then that I was actually a filthy artifact player, thanks to Glacian Otago. So I'm at my latest realization, and that is that I'm a dirty graveyard player. I'm a dirty graveyard player. Every single deck that I've ever built in Commander, for example, has at least some form of graveyard sub-team. Like, Lelia has a load of discard and flashback and stuff. Octavia looks to fill the bin with spells. I have a Sir Conrad deck, like enough said. And even Jalrail, Monvuli Recluse, my mono-green card draw deck, has a cycling sub-team with the Bandit Sarcophagus to turn my graveyard into a second hand. Like, it's just, I didn't realize that I actually did this with every single deck. But yeah, I'm, I'm definitely a graveyard player. So, so, so when are you going to pick up Dredge again? No, it's not happening. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so with this realization in mind, um, I have this week's article actually about graveyards in Commander and how every deck should have a plan to utilize them in some way. Every deck. So that's live now over in Car Kingdom. You can go check that out after the show. Outside of Magic, I've been rewatching Fairy Tale. It's a good anime. It's not a perfect show by any means. You know, that is to say, you know, it's a show from about ten plus years ago. So there's going to be some stuff that's not exactly perfect. But like, hmm. if we were to be critical, hypercritical of every single show, then we basically can't watch anything pre twenty seventeen ish. Yes, you know. So correct. Yeah. Once you, once you sort of just, you know, grind your teeth, it's otherwise, like, really, really good, feel-good show. It's got amazing characters and stuff, so, yeah. That, that's, been, that's been what I've been doing lately. Along with playing a lot of Final Fantasy XIV. Nice. I'm now a Dark Knight. 
Ooh, so, the Arc yes. Knight. Very good. Yeah, so it's like that one player in the D&D group that tries to make an edgy paladin. Yeah. You're you're just like you're you're a tank with a dark side. You know. I remember <laughs> Dark Knights from my like, old school Final Fantasy. Because um, yeah. like, I, I assume like it's a job system like it is in the yeah. like the old school ones. Yeah, I remember Dark Knights they were pretty good. Yeah. Cecil or Cecil depending on who's saying yeah. it. From Final Fantasy 4. Or yeah. The one of the originals. Yeah. 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 Good stuff. If you enjoy the BM cast and would like to support them, you can become a patron for as little as $3. You'll get access to all of the notes and deck lists they use on the show, and their $7 tier gives you VIP access to the greatest budget resources of any magic podcast. So what are you waiting for? Visit patreon.com forward slash budget magic cast to level up your game and get your stonks on. All right, so before we jump into the main bulk of the episode, I have a card of the week, and it is an unusual one. Well, it is an unusual one, but it's an even more unusual one for me. You'll know why. Uh, So it's Arcane Laboratory. It's $2.25, roughly, at the moment. It is two and a blue for an enchantment that reads, each player can't cast more than one spell each turn. So... You know me. I love casting way more than one spell each turn. I've I've heard you curse Deafening Silence a lot of times when someone's resolved it. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, big time. Um, <laughs> but the thing is, it's a super powerful effect. It's usually reserved for white. You know, hashtag should have been a white card, I get it. But the thing is, it's an enchantment, so it's harder to remove than the likes of like an idol on a rhetoric or whichever. And it can be really, really powerful in decks that want this kind of effect. Like, think Lavinia, Azorius Renegade, that kind of thing. Um, now I know she already has access to white, but you know, uh, additional more, more copies, copies of the same thing. Yeah, hundred yeah, percent. So, moving on to the big Watsi announcement. So, Woo-hoo. yeah, during the week, if you missed it, Watsi had a huge announcement where they basically told us all about what's coming up over the next year or so, and um, year plus actually. And yeah, it started with the standard sets for the coming year through right up till quarter four 2022 so emma do you want to give us a quick breakdown for anyone that missed it so as scott said they started what's he started off just talking about the standard sets that are coming for next year so we're thinking after crimson vow which is out in november like what's the future of standard so firstly you do have another innistrad set but it's not quite similar to like crimson vow or midnight hunt it's kind of like a supplemental set in a way because it's meant to be meant to be drafted mm. Um, and this is called uh, Innistrad Double Feature, and it combines both Midnight Haunt and Crimson Vow cards, not all of them, but some of them combined, to make like a draft set, like a, a really cool draft experience for people who love Innistrad. We don't know much else, but there is some unique art treatments of cards, so the set's like very unique for Innistrad like fans. There's going to be some very cool looking art and stuff like that. Um, mm. They will be standard legal, but they'll already, already be printed because they would have been in Crimson Vow and Midnight Horn. So just see this as like an extension of those two sets. If you just yeah. care about drafting, you want to draft, draft in this route, this is a good way to do it. Um, so that's coming in quarter one. We don't have actual dates yet. They just broke it into quarters uh, throughout the year. The next actual standard set is one that we've kind of heard coming from like various leaks and domain sort of rights, and that's Kamigawa Neon Dynasty. So mm. we're going back to Kamigawa, and yep. it's going to be a very cyberpunk futuristic set. It's, it's set like 1,200 years from what Kamigawa was before. And apparently it's got all new set mechanics, because apparently Kamigawa mechanics were awful, so they're just rehashing it. 
apparently. There were one or two good ones. Like, I'd like to see Ninja 2 again, but like, that's probably it. (laughs) Yeah. Like, Splice was fine as well. I didn't mind Splice into Arcane. I thought that was okay. as someone that plays Twiddlestorm, I think Splice and Arcane is actually kind of trash. Fair. <laughs> but, um, but yeah. Again, we don't know a, a huge amount of the sets coming up. They just gave us like a little teaser. So there's some cool art of one mm. of the planeswalkers that has a little robot raccoon on their shoulder, which is really cool. Yes. So after Kamigawa and Neon Dynasty, we are going to a new plane. Um, and this is Streets of New Capenna. Um, it is a Art Deco modern-esque set. And we're expected to see Obnixilis and Elspeth return. If you mm. look at the promo art for New Capenna, it looks like Obnixilis is one of the uh, like the main character, returning characters. Basically, it is like a crime sort of themed around like mob and crime mm. sort of thing. Uh, you've got five demons that run the streets of New Capenna. They're trying to fight for the you know to to own the streets. Yeah. And Obnixilis is probably one of these. Um, it is a multi coloured set. Um, but there's looking like to be shards and not wedges, not like Ikoria. Mm. We haven't had a shard set in quite a long time. So yeah. fingers crossed we'll get the triumphs as well, like the rest of the triumphs would be neat. Yeah. Then after the Streets of New Capenna, we are going back to Dominaria for Dominaria United. When this comes out in quarter three, it will be the 30th year of Magic the Gathering, as in like mm. since it's been around, which I can't believe. I can't believe it's 30 years. Um, so it's going to be time with that. Um, so expect a lot of f- familiar themes and like references to lore, as you did with Dominaria from like what three, four years ago now. Um, and then lastly, we've got the Brothers War, which is the quarter four release, which looks into the fierce relationship of Urza and Mishra. I admit I'm not a big law person, so this one's probably not for me. But a lot I've seen a lot of people excited about it because yeah. that that relationship and that conflict shaped a lot of what magic like law is yep. now. One thing that is interesting about these releases is that we don't have a core set. No. We're not too sure what set is replacing the core set they haven't really announced it um mm. but expect like maybe dominaria could be yeah, could be a quote-unquote core set um like they did with afr uh, this year so yeah that's the standard releases for this year so it's quite exciting or for next year it's quite exciting yeah. what they could end up doing is they could end up leaning into stuff like jumpstart to like help get yeah, new players in it. instead of core sets that kind of thing which yeah. i think could be a good idea because like jumpstart is so good for getting new players in like pick these things that are cool to you and like yeah. build a deck about them immediately play like fantastic but yeah we'll we'll see so outside of the standard set releases we have oh god we have so many things so much Jeez. okay <laughs> um i'll i'll give your voice a break for a second i'll take the i'll take the first one and that is the first supplemental release and quarter one quarter two we're looking at commander legends battle for Baldur's gate so it's a draftable commander focus set, very similar to the original Commander Legends that we had last year. And we're going to have the return of etched foil commanders in it. It's going to be more D&D themed, which I think is a really, really great place to put it because they could do, if they want, more venture stuff there that will be more commander based and not yeah. potentially like break something in modern. So they can have like a little more powerful, not have to worry about it, that kind of thing. Yeah, there's there's going to be a bunch of interesting stuff from this i would say this is one that i think i'm probably most excited about after kamigawa neon dynasty because oh yeah commander legends was a massive massive boon to commander in general it got so many people that i know into commander and not just from other formats like just into magic in general Mm. and that's really sweet so i'm looking forward to seeing this again 
yeah what are your thoughts on this yeah um so i admit i'm not like the big i'm not the most commander of players like it's not my main format right i tend to play constructed stuff like modern um but i do respect that there is an actual set that uh caters to commander players because commander is very big there's a lot of people that play it and the fact that you can kind of make this a draftable thing is kind of fun as well it's really cool just to like have some packs and just make a commander deck it's a really cool idea um, and plus it allows you to just reprint those commander staples that you don't really want to put into standard or you don't yeah. want it to eat up a slot in a master set or something like that. Yeah, these are great. And plus you, you get the opportunity to get these cool like H4 commanders. You can really tailor them. You can make them really unique. I just think overall it's really good for the game to have these kind of sets. And I know a lot of people yeah. complain that, you know, there's a lot of like standard sets that eke into Commander. Like mm. there's that crossover, and I was like, well, this is why this this exists is to stop this to sort of stop that. Plus, as yeah. you say, the the D and D sort of theme goes really well with it. I think because there's so many legendaries you can go ham with in the story, yeah, sure. in the lore and stuff. I just think this is great. Absolutely. And <laughs> the next one, <laughs> Unfinity. <laughs> Yeah. So we're getting a new unset. It's been a while, so you know it's it's welcome. Like a proper unset as well. It's not like the unsanctioned that was just a box set. This is like a full yeah. set. Like was it unstable? Was the last unstable one? was the last one? Yeah, with yeah, the, it was good the few contraptions years ago and stuff. Yeah. Oh, I love that. That was, was good. that was fun to draft. So the big takeaway from this. Well, there's, there's two two big takeaways, I suppose. The things that we know we're going to get in it and the theme. So the theme is it's like sci-fi, fairground, crazy space mountain, mad junk. I don't know. Like crazy sci-fi stuff. It looks yeah. real cool. What we're getting in this set, full art lands. We know this already. It's an unset. It's tradition now at this point, basically. But sci-fi themed shock lands are going That's to be cool. in the set. So we're going to have like surfaces of planets as like the art on yeah. like steam vents or something like that's so freaking cool that's this cool. is definitely going to prompt people to want to buy infinity which i think is really really smart i'm surprised they didn't do this sooner with okay. things like fetch lands or shock lands or whatever because that's really easy to just throw into an unset because they just kind of fit anyway because they're just lands they're whatever but you yeah. can make really weird cool wacky versions and people will buy them they buy the full art lands all the time so yeah and, and there is and there are people who just love the sci-fi sort of stuff as well and if they can have that on magic cards yeah. um, why not and plus it gets more shop lands into circulation so I'm all for it and they're starting to go up as well because everyone's playing paper magic again, yeah. so that does help a little bit Infinity looks like to be in quarter two uh, in mm-hmm. quarter three quarter four um, hasn't been officially said yet we're getting another double masters so double masters mm-hmm. 20, 2022 very similar to the previous Double Masters, it did very well, um, where you get two rares in a pack. What made the original Double Masters so good is the, the amount of reprints for Modern in particular. So a good yes. example, as I mentioned last week on the Monogreen Tron episode, you had stuff like Can't Liberated, you had Worm Coil Engine, you had all these just desirable reprints. Just desirable you basically modern just had Tron. <laughs> <laughs> it was Artifact Masters, essentially, and yeah. there's so many Artifact cards reprinted, and it just helped make Modern affordable. And what makes yeah. Double Masters 2022 really interesting is that they tease the art for Ren and Six. So mm. it looks like Ren and Six is going to be in the set, which is really good, because that card is stupid expensive. Oh, yeah. And you've got Animatu as well, the Fate, fate Shifter from one of the Commander Precons. It looks like mm. they're coming into Modern as well, which is quite exciting, because it's a unique-looking Planeswalker. So I'm, I'm a big fan of Master Sets because it just allows you to reprint those like, high-in-demand cards. And it's likely we'll get like the box topper treatments like we did before when you had like the full art force of wheels, that mm. sort of thing. So I'm quite excited for that one myself. Yeah. And then 
Jumpstart 2022 coming in quarter four. Mm. So 46 different themed packs with 20 cards in each one. And some of the themes that were announced is multi-headed creatures and Eldrazi. So seems good. Might get some new pieces maybe for uh, for some Eldrazi commander decks maybe or... Like, I like the idea of Jumpstart. You just put two boosters together and you play yeah. Magic. It's a really good casual way for players to get into the game. Might not be for me. It's not something I think I would do, but not mm. every product's for me. But if it just helps people get into Magic and again, does all the whole reprint thing again, I'm all for it sort of thing. Yeah. Jumpstart. Not a whole lot else to say about it. It's it's cool. People love it's it. It's popular. Yeah. It's, it's cheap. Good. It's affordable as well. Yeah. Um, so those are the sets that we're like these supplemental sets we're getting next year. Mm. Then we're getting um, more supplemental product that isn't set. So we're talking about the universes beyond franchise, quote unquote, like uh, banner. And what that is is where um, Wizards of the Coast do um, collaborations with other IPs. So a good example is that mm. they're going to be doing a secret lair around Stranger Things, and in, in conjunction yep. with Netflix. Um, we know a couple of them already, but they kind of delved into it a little further in this uh, announcement. So next year slash early 2023, we are going to get Street Fighter, Lord of the Rings, Fortnite and Warhammer 40k all coming in the next like 18 or so months. Yeah. And there's all different things. They're not all secret layers. Some of them are, has more product and some of them will have less. So the Street Fighter one will be a secret layer with new cards. They already teased Chun-Li. Mm-hmm is going to be one of them and Chun-Li has multi-kicker which makes me very happy um, <laughs> then you've got Fortnite you've got a Fortnite secret layer coming these will be existing cards just with the Fortnite skin um, yep. that one is a two year deal with Watsy I hear so expect more secret layer Fortnite stuff or magic skins in Fortnite who knows um, <laughs> it's, it's going to be a pretty big thing and then yep. you've got Warhammer 40,000 which will preview which will have four commander decks with that announcement they announced there will be Ultramarines and Space Marines as one of the commander decks. We don't know the other three yet. I'm sure we'll hear about it soon. Yeah. And then with Lord of the Rings, which is out in 2023, it's going to be a full set mm-hmm. um, with commander decks and secret lair. Like they're going the whole hog with this one because it's Lord of the Rings. Like why wouldn't you? Um, and then we saw some really cool art of Gandalf yeah. firing off fireworks in the Shire, which I thought was really nice as well. Yeah, one thing with this as well to point out that if I'm not mistaken, they said this was direct to modern as well. Yes, that is a good point. So, yes, this one's direct to modern, um, which is interesting. I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm I'm excited to name Hobbit with my cavernous souls. To be honest, <laughs> and like I, this is just a quick thing, right? This is my little rant. Okay, sorry, okay, just a very quick it. little rant Ooh, on 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 universes beyond, and it's not what you think. Uh, so. Like, I've heard people complain that, like, oh, Lord of the Rings is coming into modern. Like, oh, it's ruining it. It was okay if it was, like, legacy and commander and stuff. But, like, modern? Oh, it's sacred. This kind of... No. Shut up. Please. Stop. Come on. Let's be real. You're already doing really dumb things. You're already doing absolutely ridiculous things that make no sense in that format already. You're getting the snot beaten out of you by a little monkey that used to be a token. Like, come on. Like, (laughs) stop taking yourself so seriously. I'm absolutely going to watch the light in my opponent's eyes just die as I hit them in the face with a Balrog. Like, I'm okay with this. I'm definitely okay with this. And another thing about the Fortnite thing, because I know the second anyone hears the word Fortnite, it's one of two reactions. They're either like, oh yeah, I'm into it, or you roll your eyes. Let me tell you, Stop hating on things that aren't for you. It's a good thing. Ryan Overturf tweeted on uh, Twitter, surprise, surprise, (laughs) earlier this week. And he said that he thinks it's really neat that Wizards are making products that aren't for him. And he's 100% right. Because 
if you are sitting there complaining that they're not making things only for you, that means that you're annoyed that they're making things for someone else, which sounds incredibly self-centered and incredibly selfish. Stop that. Do better. Enjoy what you want to enjoy and then just leave everything else alone. Yeah, Contra- contrary to what you might think, no one wants to hear your terrible opinion. Yeah, like- I'm, yeah I'm with Ryan on this. Um, I'm like, I'm not the biggest Fortnite fan because I am. Bit, I feel I'm a bit, a bit, bit too old for that, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm happy it exists. I'm happy it's a thing yeah. that people can appreciate. I can forget about it. I can ignore it, whatever. Um, but I'm glad it exists. Um, my only criticism with the Fortnite thing is that I feel like they should have done it as introductory magic decks as opposed to a secret lair. Given like to. given yeah. like the the age range for Fortnite is quite young, right? And you don't want them buying secret layers. I think just getting like clash decks or you know like the Planeswalker dual decks sort of thing yeah. in a Fortnite skin would be really really good. It would help more younger people get into Magic. That's my only criticism, but it's cool that it exists and it means Magic can get more popular because it's got Fortnite, which is a huge name already. So yeah, that's it. Just let people like things is the point I'm getting at, I guess. Um, jerk. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's. It's not that hard, but sometimes people make it look like it is. Moving on, there's another little thing that will be coming out, I think it's next year, and that is Commander Collection Black. So we've already got a couple of these. We had the green one most recently with Commander Legends, and this one has a couple of things in it. So there's uh, Ophia Mancer, plus the 1-1 Death Touch Snake Token that has yet to exist, which... it's still mind-blowing to Amazing. me. Amazing. Yeah. We also have Liliana Heretical Healer. We have Reanimate, a special black-themed soul ring, uh, Command Tower, Ghoul Caller Gisa, Toxic Deluge, and Phyrexian Arena, which is nice because it has been shooting yeah. up in price. These are going to be available through LGS only, and foil versions are going to be available at WPM Premium Stores. So... This looks good. I know a lot of people were very, very hyped about this one, saying that this is really, really well done and really cool and exciting. I have one slight little issue with it, and it's only slight. And that that is that, to me, when I think of black in Commander, I think of at least one of the iconic black lands. So like Cabal Coffers or Urborg or that kind of thing. I kind of expected one of them to be in here. Phyrexian Tower is another good one as well, I think. Exactly, yeah. yeah. One of those in here, I think, over maybe Ghoul or Gisa, it just seems like mm. the least popular one out of here. I don't know, I could be wrong. But I feel like there could have just been like an Urborg or something like that in here to, to sort of round it out. But don't get me wrong, that's, that's just like a little criticism. It's still a really good one. Out of all of them so far, this is the one that I've been most intrigued by. So Yeah, the green one was pretty good if I remember because it had like Sylvan Library and Worldly yeah. Tutor and then at that point they were very expensive. Yeah, so it's time. kind of good that there's more copies of those and these seem good. So, And lastly, we finally hit the end of the uh, Spieler <laughs> product releases and announcements. Yeah. Um, this is one I'm quite most excited about, I think, and that is the Pioneer Challenger decks that are coming this year. We haven't had a date yet, but they're, they're probably going to come out this year. Um, they have announced that Azori Spirits... Ores mm-hmm. of Auras, Mono Red Burn, and happy you'll be happy to know Scott Lotus Combo mm-hmm. um, are all coming in Challenger decks form this year. Um, the deck lists are available on the WotC website. We've linked it in the show notes if you have access to that. Um, and they're pretty brimmed with value. I was very impressed like how much yeah. is in these. So, like for example, the Zora Spirits one has two spell colors. The Ores of Auras one has a Thought Seize in the sideboard. Mm. Your land bases don't look particularly great. You don't get any shocks, which has been the criticism. 
but it's like you're getting four Caesars and spell quellers and you get yeah. a, a, I believe one of them has an omniscience which is like $18 at the moment like yeah. yeah in terms of the decks that they chose for this it's interesting because yeah. like mono red absolutely nice easy one to pick up and start with Orzavor is very similar different kind of game plan but you know it's very easy to pick up and play around with Azoria Spirits a little more closer to what you would consider sort of mid-rangey and stuff. But to be honest, I'm surprised that they put the Lotus Field combo in here because Thanks. it's complex. Like, I'm a combo player and I regularly choose not to play it because it very much feels like a, okay, it's big brain time, like 100% of the time. Like, it's really complex now that like Underworld Breach and everything is gone. You have to yeah. like jump through so many hoops. It's definitely not for beginners. But it's really cool that they're doing it, though. So, like, you know. Yeah, also you get four Lotus Fields in that deck, which yeah. are, like, eight bucks each at the moment as well. So um, I was expecting to see something like Mono Green, like Mono Green Walkers or Mono Green Stompy or something like that. Something, yeah. Um, but, but it's cool that they've done something for each kind of archetype, if that makes sense. They've ticked all the boxes with these. Um, so I'm quite excited for these. Um, we'll also do... We'll very, very likely do an upgrade episode at some point as well, because... Oh, yeah. Why not? Yeah, I am very surprised that they didn't do Is It Phoenix? Now, I know that that sounds like I'm being biased, but seriously yeah. though, it has actually been like close to the top of the, the tier list for a long time. Doesn't have any particularly pricey cards in it. It would have worked really well, I think. So. Pioneer's in a really good spot at the moment, so hopefully yeah. with you know that trajectory happening and these Challenger decks, hopefully Pioneer can have some form again. Yeah, fingers crossed. Nice. Alright, so... Whew. That <laughs> announcement was nearly as long as Wizards' actual announcement. Good God. Uh, <laughs> it was, uh, yeah, there's a lot of stuff coming up now. To be fair, like people, some people have complained that like we're getting bombarded constantly with stuff, but like this is the, we're telling you what's coming up for the entire next year. So like, it's a one-time thing. You know, it's the main thing that this episode is going to be about, but like, it's once-off sort of thing. Yeah. So it's not too bad. But we don't want to just talk about what happened this week and then, leave it at that so we do have some extra value for you and we're gonna have a chat about a couple of underrated commander cards that we have picked out over the last little while and um, we're gonna go through some here and then we're gonna have some extra ones on the show notes for patrons so if you want to go over to patreon.com forward slash the bm cast and you can check it out there get some extra little tidbits of value first off emma why don't you take us in so this is one of my favourite cards from Kaldheim that I've yet to play in a game of Commander, but I absolutely love it because it, it, it's very much a, the sort of thing I like to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this is Glorious Protector. So Glorious Protector oh, yeah. is a Angel Cleric, 3-4, uh, it's 2 generic and 2 white. It has Flash and Flying, and it reads, When Glorious Protector enters the battlefield, you may exile any number of non-angel creatures you control until Glorious Protector leaves the battlefield. And it has mm-hmm. Fatel for 2 generic and white. Um, it's just a really, really good protection spell. Mm-hmm. Um, the flash is very relevant here. Um, Fatel lets you send it off for a later turn. You can like just leave it and just forget about it. You can use it to board like ETB effects as well. You can abuse those as well. Um, and mm-hmm. I, lo- I love me a good ETB sort of blink sort of nonsense. Yeah. So um, yeah, this is one of my this card's great. And obviously you got Resto Angel as well, so you can just have those in the same deck, and you mm-hmm. can just go off and blink blink for days. Yep. Yeah, it's really good. I have this in my Ranar deck. Um, it's really nice to be able to just protect all your key pieces from a board wipe. And yeah. then, you know, you get all your stuff back. So it's neat. Yes, it's good. The first one that I have is Manascape Refractor. Right. So this came from Commander 2020. 
it is a three mana artifact that enters the battlefield tapped and it has all activated abilities of all lands on the battlefield and you may spend mana as though it were mana of any color to pay the activation costs of mana escape refractors abilities so this is 75 cents this is really really good and really underlooked because the worst case scenario is it's a three mana mana rock that comes in tapped now if you're playing a three mana mana rock on say turn three it's very unlikely that you're going to be doing anything with that one mana from it so it entering tapped is basically kind of the same thing anyway so the best case scenario for this though is that it's a second cabal coffers or it's another maze of it or it's your opponent's Gaia's Cradle. Like, it it just does so many things. I really feel like it's not being used enough. Like, I use this in my Sir Conrad deck to copy my, like I said, Cabal Coffers. And it's crazy. It's so powerful. <laughs> I don't know how people aren't looking at this. I really don't. But yeah, highly recommend checking this out. Put it into any deck where you want to have extra utility in your cards like this this is just free additional utility instead of a regular three mana mana rock so mm. yeah yeah seems good um so my card next uh, is from commander 2021 and that mm. is witch's clinic so this is a land tap for colorless mana and more mm. importantly you can pay two generic mana and tap it to give target commander gains lifelink to end of turn no it's mm. any commander not just yours so you can yep. you can you can politic with it a little bit mm-hmm. um it's just a really easy way to give commanders lifelink especially if you care about being aggressive and you want to buffer your life total um i'm sure it, you'd get this like it's really good in like so red decks because you could just ping a lot and then you just get the life back and it's just a yep. really good way to just get in a comfortable range of life totals um yeah this, this just seems like a really neat sort of trick if you just want to you know not die so quickly <laughs> yeah, it's really, really good. Particularly for aggressive decks. I have this in Lelia, actually. Now, the next one that I have, we're going to see a little bit of a trend. Uh, this is in Sir Conrad as well. Uh, <laughs> this is my, my Sir Conrad deck, A Dream Devourer. I was singing this card's praises on Twitter recently. Uh, it's one and a black for an 03 Demon Cleric. And it says, whenever you foretell a card, Dream Devourer gets plus two plus zero until end of turn but it also gives each non-land card in your hand without foretell, it gives a foretell. So the foretell cost is equal to its mana cost reduced by two. So how foretell works is you pay two generic mana and exile the card from your hand face down. And then you can cast that on a later turn for its foretell cost. So let's say I had a damnation in hand. I pay two generic mana and I foretell it. I take it out of my hand, I exile it face down. On another turn, I can then pay black black and cast damnation so it's really really good for if you have spare mana lying around you can use it to get cards out of your hand and into exile and have them discounted for later so one of the ways in which i won recently was i had a dream devourer out i had eight mana spare but i didn't it wasn't enough to go off that turn so i foretold four cards past the turn and then on the next turn i basically spent very little mana. I I paid for Sir Conrad. I pay I paid for a morality shift and a grave purge all in the one turn. And not to mention as well, when you're foretelling stuff, it's protecting those cards from getting discarded or from getting wheeled. So that's exactly what I do. As soon as I have a dream to vary out and I have the morality shift in my hand, I just took that away first and foremost. And then yeah. I'm like, I'll worry about everything else later. My win con is off in exile. I'm sorted, you know? Yeah. So that's good. It's a nice one. My next one might be a bit of a surprising one considering what it does and what Mm. I play in modern. 
Um, so this one's Obsidian Charmor. Uh, so for two, three generic and two red, you get a dragon. That is a 4-4. Mm-hmm. And it reads, This spell costs one less to cast for each land your opponent's control that could produce colourless. Mm-hmm. Uh, it has flying. Uh, and when it ETBs, uh, destroy target non-basic land and opponent controls. Um, so in most cases, in terms of commander, it is a two-mana 4-4 fly that can blow up a land. Seems yeah. a pretty good rate. Can take any like, problematic lands um, that you're struggling with. So stuff like Field of Dead is a really good example um, because, you know, screw that card. Um, <laughs> it's ideal in decks that want to have answers that also double up as threat. So stuff like Nikia of the Old Ways, any like Gruul, mm. Naya, aggressive sort of deck that just wants these yeah. sort of big flyers that just go over and just can do do a little bit of um, cleaning up on the battlefield as well um, it's a cool card I can't I'm not excited to see it on the other end of the field <laughs> because often it's blowing up my Tron lands but no this is a sweet one it's a really yeah. good card it's one of those cards that you hate to see on the other side but you love to see in your hand yeah yeah it's definitely one of those <laughs> <laughs> and then finally to round it out I have got Rise and Shine so you picked Ooh, you picked one from Modern Horizons 2 there, so I've got another one. Rise and Shine is one in a blue for a sorcery, and it reads target non-creature artifact you control becomes zero zero artifact creature. Put four plus one plus one counters on each artifact that became a creature this way. And it's worded weirdly like that because it has overload for four blue blue. So you can put it on each non-creature artifact you control for that overload cost. So this is kind of like a win condition in blue based artifact decks think like scale up you know like there is the overload mode on that where you turn all your creatures into six fours and you can go crazy with them it's kind of the same except for artifacts and Mm. it's really really good speaking of scale up is a card that doesn't see enough play in commander either overloading that and just attacking with a massive army as well is pretty good could be wrong here i feel the same with winds of abaddon winds of abaddon is starting to see more play because um, that's that's a nice board wipe as well, like a like a scalable board wipe, which I quite like. Yeah, it can be very unfortunate if your opponent has a lot of basics and then yeah. just goes, "Okay, thanks for wiping the board." Anyway, I'm going to untap and go off now, <laughs> which has happened, but you know, sometimes needs must, you know. But yeah, a lot of the Modern Horizons esque overload cards are pretty good. Horizon Shine being one of many in the line and one of the most recent ones. But yes, that's it. That is a bunch of extra little bits of value there for you. Um, just so that we weren't talking about nothing but news all week. <laughs> and yeah. yes, if you want a couple more, we've another one or two little bits available, like we said, over in the show notes over on Patreon. So if you're not a patron, you can head on over there and get some extra value. So to finish off, Emma, as always, have we got any <laughs> Q&A? We do. So we'll kick off with Evie the Mage on Twitter. Uh, they just tweeted in to say... With Eldraine finally being removed with standard next month because of rotation, a lot of EDH staples will dip with rotation until players pick them up. One such staple is Embercleave. It is now $8, mm. which might seem a lot, but it's not going to get any cheaper because it is a mythic in a, in a set that wasn't really open too much because people had enough of Eldraine. So if you're looking to pick one up for like equipment EDH or mm. you, know, you want to pick up one for like Pioneer, for example, now is a good time to do it because there is a lot of mythics in um, Eldraine that will shoot up. Another good example is Great Henge. I know it's quite expensive at the moment, but it's only just going to go up because, you know, it's incredible in green decks. Uh, we have a question from Joe Chaney from the BMCast Discord, and they ask, are you excited for Innistrad Midnight Haunt spoilers that start this week? Um, yeah, 
I mean, like, <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm the same. I'm like, it's work. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> the way I, the way I see it, like, I'm, I'm excited anyway. for it because you know it's, it's a new magic set and stuff. But like, that's about as excited as I get about it. Like, I know Angelo's like absolutely losing his mind right now. He's yeah. te- tearing his hair out in anticipation. But I don't know. Innistrad is cool. Like, it was a little bit. Bef- the last time we were there was a little bit before I started um, playing. A couple of months before I started playing. So it's not quite super exciting to me now i do i do like the aesthetic and stuff but mm. i'm just not super wild on it like werewolves and vampires to me feels like a very 2007 kind of thing but you know it's it's still cool i guess like i'm, I'm always excited to see new cards that are going to make decks that's cool it. and exciting that's the main that's thing it, that's know? it for me i'm more excited about the new cards less about the you know the sort of set environment and yeah. you know like you um i didn't i wasn't around for original Illustrad. i played during shadows and eldritch mm. moon and that seemed fine um but i don't know Illustrad is just one of the sets that's never really grabbed me but there'll be some cool cards there'll be some like flashback is one of my favorite mechanics so it'd be cool to see some flashback cards again and then we have a question from Edward Whitney from the BMCast Patreon. Cool. And they say, so first off, they say hello. They're pretty new to playing Magic and have mostly been drafting as a way to get started. But your podcast mm-hmm. has been super helpful as I've been trying to find my way into constructive formats. So thank you for that. You're very welcome. Yes. Um, so the question is, you've talked about practicing goal fishing a number of times. Are there any particular methods and or platforms you prefer? Or do you just play physically, use an online program, or something else? I've seen methods that put creatures into play, like creatures into play automatically for you to play against. Do you do anything like that, or is it just play against an empty board? Uh, and does this change for any kind of deck that you're practicing with? So, generally speaking, when I talk about goldfishing, the majority of the time it's in paper, on my desk, by myself, um, with no real goal. You know, I'm not I'm not putting out creatures in order to deal with or anything like that. It's no. With that said, I'm often playing with combo decks, so I'm trying to figure out the lines and can I play after casting this or having this line come in tapped or whatever. Um, so goal fishing tends to help those kind of decks an awful lot more because it means that you can get used to how the deck feels and plays before you sit down to to play against a, an opponent. It's a little less so with more quote unquote fair decks because. A lot of them tend to be playing creatures, playing disruption, playing interaction and that kind of stuff. And you need an opponent. So, you know, sometimes just sitting down and playing a game with, you know, someone else in the house or a friend or something Mm. is the best thing to do in that scenario. But for example, I play with like Burn and I sit here and I'm like, how quick can I get the 20 to zero? That kind of thing. I nearly always do it on paper. You can do it on the likes of Moxfield or Architect. They're kind of fine, sort of. Yeah, they're a bit clunky. Yeah, I've, I've found... Now, I'm super biased because I, I learned how to play in paper, so Same. I just want to touch the cards all the time, you know? Yeah, I mean, for me, for someone who doesn't really play combo, so I have Tron at the moment, and yes, I do goldfish with Tron. I know that sounds silly, mm-hmm. but it's more goldfishing in the sense of how am I mulliganing? Am I mulliganing enough? How quick can I get Tron? Yep. You know, learning to... It's even like the simple things of learning how to shuffle your deck quickly, you know, just get into that rhythm, especially in like competitive or FNMs, you don't want to take too, you don't want to take forever, especially if you've got loads of fetches, you just want to really like get through, get into that process really well. Yeah. So that's it for me. And I'm also with building affinity, I'm looking to build dredge. So I'll be goldfishing a lot with dredge just to, you know, understand how dredge works, how to lay out my graveyard, stuff like that. I just think it's a really good way of, you know, getting some... Get, get, get yourself into some good habits I think mm. is a good way for goldfishing as well yeah 
And then lastly, we got a question from Sid Sorry from the BMCast Discord. If you could wish for the printing of a new card that does something similar, exactly the same, only a specific card does at the moment, what would it be? I know what mine is. I know what mine it's is. Called, it's called Cavern of Souls. It's called Fateless Loading. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for listening to us here at the BMCast and a special thanks to our patrons. At the Cheering Fanatic tier we have Aliandra, Kilgore Trout 503, Max Makes Magic, The Jess Guy, The Joe Cheney, Nicholas Martin, Bradley Rose, Ian Holland, Christopher McCarthy, Tom Telford, Anton Clement, Edward Whitney and Evil Vanilla Glaze. At the Stonks tier we have Anga Orr, Scott Creech, Simon Grip, Brian Madden, a Nice Planeswalker, Nurblin, Everett Brogan, Alex Gibson, Bo Schwartz Madsen, and Mickey Paris. Thank you all for helping to keep this podcast on the air. We can't thank you enough. If you would like to support us and add your name to this list of lovely and wonderful people, head on over to patreon.com forward slash the BMcast. If you have any questions, comments, or sweet brews, you can email us at budgetmagicast at gmail.com or message us on Twitter at the BMcast. We'll be back next week to give you even more bang for your buck.